0: Welcome to this Diversity and Inclusivity Finance Forum podcast, working for difference, making business better and fairer. The DIFF series of podcasts is aimed at helping people from underrepresented groups get into and get on in the mortgage and protection industry, and to help everyone understand why genuinely prioritizing diversity is good for all of us individually, good for your business, and good for the mortgage market as a whole. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the individuals participating and not necessarily of their respective companies, either past or present. Welcome everybody to another Diff podcast and again another one on invisible differences. And today, we are going to be talking about dyslexia and talking to somebody with a lived experience of dyslexia. And just to bring everybody's mind to the same place, dyslexia is currently understood as a neurological neurodevelopmental difference that primarily, but not exclusively, affects reading, spelling, and writing skills. It's not about an inability to perform these skills, or seeing words and letters backwards, etc., as is often misunderstood, but about difficulty in information processing and memory. It's a natural variation of the human brain. Dyslexics think and learn differently, not worse. Today, 6.3 million people are thought to have dyslexia in the UK, equaling 10% of the population though actual prevalence is thought to be much higher due to significant under or missed diagnosis. Each person's experience with dyslexia is unique. It is best thought of as a continuum rather than a discrete condition, which can range from mild to severe. There is also a relatively high comorbidity with other learning, behavioural or mental difficulties, meaning that those with dyslexia may also experience dyspraxia, ADHD, ASD, anxiety, mood orders, amongst others. Now, despite heightened awareness of dyslexia in education, the workplace and society, more generally, many misconceptions of what exactly it is continue to contribute to myths and stigmas that can be damaging to how a dyslexic is seen and how they see themselves. Now, dyslexia is a lifelong condition. It's not something that can be cured, but it is something that can, with the right support, be managed effectively. And being dyslexic does not stop someone from living an ordinary or fulfilling life. In fact, many lives have been more than just ordinary. Some of history's greatest minds have been identified or as thought as being dyslexic. Picasso, George Washington, Walt Disney, Albert Einstein, Leonardo da Vinci, Muhammad Ali, Agatha Christie, And even to this day, modern celebrities and pioneers in their fields have dyslexic minds, including Spielberg, Cher, Richard Branson, Whoopi Goldberg, Jennifer Aniston, Noel Gallagher, although he's got other problems too, Kiera Knightley, Eddie Izzard, Tom Jones, Lewis Hamilton, Orlando Bloom, Holly Willoughby, Jamie Oliver, so the list is pretty big. Now, to help us discuss this from a leadership perspective, we're joined by the marvellous Tony Smith. Tony has been in the intermediary financial services market for over 30 years, so she must have started when she was one. She is currently the Chief Operating Officer of LSL's financial services business, which includes award-winning Primus Mortgage Network, where she is responsible for IT product propositions, operations, as well as marketing, comms and events she had been part of the LSL group since May 2020. Previous to this, her history included open works, zurich and Allied Dunbar. And talking to us about her lived experience as somebody with dyslexia is the truly, truly marvellous Tracy Burton. Tracy, would you like to introduce yourself?
1: Of course. Hey, Barrett, thank you so much for asking me to take part in this podcast. I'm absolutely delighted to be here today to share my experience and hopefully give some guidance for some of your listeners today. As you said, my name is Tracy Burton and I'm Senior Corporate Account Manager at HSBC. And I've been working in the financial industry for around 24 years now and loving every moment of it.
0: Where do we want to start Tracy? Shall we start at the beginning about when you were young and through to when you were diagnosed with dyslexia and some of the issues you felt and then we can go over and talk to Tony about what she thinks about these things?
1: Yeah, I'm more than happy to share my story. So if you go back to my childhood, really, although I had some amazing friends and teachers, school wasn't really a place that I enjoyed very much, to be honest. I found it really quite hard and I just couldn't figure out why I wasn't able to keep pace with my lovely friends and go home and really not understand what I've taken in that day. And school picked up on the fact that I needed a little bit of help. And I'm sure everybody listening remembers the remedial table. And I used to dread it that my name got called out and I'd have to go for a few hours every other day to go and sit with Miss Evans and some of the other children in my class to go and sit on the special remedial table, which I found really quite embarrassing, daunting. And it kind of stuck with me, really. So my childhood felt when on reflection, it wasn't recognised. And it was always looked as if that table were children who were a bit slow or a little bit thick and you know children can be quite spiteful so this did sort of knock my confidence a little bit as I was growing up but I was really determined sort of not to let it deter me from having a successful career as I sort of grew up and bizarrely you know it's kind of started to enjoy maths and I meet people today and so you work in the financial services and you have dyslexia and they kept scratching their head about how that actually works but as you've mentioned in your brilliant introduction Barrett it's just a different way of thinking really I don't it as a disability or a disadvantage it's just a different way of how the brain takes on information and how it assesses it if you like so things like reading and writing it was always a challenge when i was sitting my exams to become a financial advisor and a mortgage advisor obviously i had to do the academic qualifications and i'll share with you now that i was embarrassed at the time many years ago to share with my employer that i had dyslexia so i took it on myself and spent a lot of money thousands of pounds To do it off my own back, so that I didn't have to have the conversation with my employer at the time, I just felt too embarrassed and ashamed, and that was, as I said, many many moons ago. Today is is very very different, and the employer who I'm with, HSBC, absolutely embrace it and support in anything that I want. Although I would consider myself now as really quite confident with it, and I, I kind of really share the positives of it rather than the negatives i'm surrounded by brilliant people and my boss actually calls them when i have lots of project work to do which i absolutely love he calls them burtonisms which i think is a great way of coming up with some of the ideas as you mentioned you know creativity thought-provoking forward-thinking are some of the skills that people who have dyslexia have as a superpower if you like
0: I just wanted to sort of like go to Tony for a bit. We'll obviously come back and explore more of your story and some of the sort of issues and tales and lived experiences you've had. But Tony, do you remember the remedial table? I mean, I'm not saying that you were ever on there, obviously not, but did that kind of thing happen? Looking in retrospective back to your school days, do you think there were people that were not diagnosed as dyslexic on that remedial table who were actually quite bright.
2: 100% I do, Barrett. I absolutely remember the remedial table. And it sort of almost makes you hang your head in shame, really, that as a society, we just clubbed people together that either didn't want to learn or couldn't learn in a standard way. Schools to this day, I think, you know, they've, they've come a long way, but there is a bit of a one-size-fits-all, isn't it, in terms of the curriculum and how you learn. But it's good to see that advancements are being made I was just going to ask you, Tracy, actually, if you don't mind, clearly your previous employer, you know, where you were embarrassed to talk about dyslexia and you took the time out and and personally funded your CMAP exams. Things have obviously changed from that experience to where you are today in HSBC, and it sounds like it's a really positive environment for you. What do you think has caused that change? And then probably a second part would really be What else do you think we can do? I'd love to know from your perspective as a sort of business leader, what we can do to help even further.
1: I think awareness plays a massive part here. And like all other areas and some of the other previous podcasts, Barrett, that you've done on diversity and inclusion, things have come a long, long way over the last five to 10 years, I would say. So by all means, people are understanding it a little bit more. And I think social media and Google certainly help with the information that we have to hand to understand these different ways of learning. And also, I'm a lot more confident than I was so I think you know new people into our industry and even children of people listening to this podcast may not have the confidence to talk about it and may go through that embarrassment of admitting to these things because they don't want to be perceived as being fake, for example. A couple of instances if I can share if you don't mind quite recently I was at a dinner table within our industry and I was surrounded by some quite senior people within our industry from all different backgrounds and neurodiversity came up as a topic and somebody sat next to me he was quite senior uh, said oh isn't that when you're a little bit thick which kind of horrified me a little bit and that struck me that the awareness still isn't quite where it needs to be on this topic so there's still a great deal of work to do I think.
0: And also I think uh, a very timely reminder that language is important and can actually hurt people so careful what you say and how you say it and where you say it because you may not mean to upset someone but you could quite easily do so. I'd be interested, Tony, to come to you and say right now that you're a very, very senior person in a really big organisation on the distribution side. Do you help somebody who said, I want to be a mortgage broker, but I have got these issues and taking my CMAP exam? How would you now... able to help that person we
2: do lots of things actually and i'm really proud of what we do i think the most important thing is to make people feel that they can share the fact that they've got dyslexia we'll ask tracy in a minute but often it's referred to as a disability and, and i don't see it that way we don't see it that way it's just a different way of learning and a different way of absorbing information first of all we work really closely with the british dyslexia association we've been working with them now for a number of years They've given us lots of practical hints and tips that we deploy. So we'll give people dictation packages, word processors with spell checks, screen readers, scanning pens. There's the text-to-speech or mind mapping software. But it's not about saying, oh, you're dyslexic, you need all of this. It's about understanding how their dyslexia plays out in their life and their learning and giving them the right tools. And that's not exclusive to brokers. That's also the same for the staff across LSL's financial services business, well, LSL's whole business. It's about finding the right support for that individual. Now, I think the other sort of thing is to say is that just because somebody is dyslexic, it doesn't mean that they can only do certain types of jobs, those that are more creative, for example, or less reliant on reading and writing. You can have two people sat alongside each other doing exactly the same role, one with dyslexia, one without, and they'll both do that role slightly differently, but to the same standard and delivering the same outputs but only if they get the right level of support from their employer. And I think Tracy hit the nail on the head perfectly when you spoke to her a moment ago. We have to keep talking about this and raising awareness. One of the other things that we've done in LSL is we've only recently launched, actually, is we've got what we're calling Disability Champions so that'll be about 15 people across the group that might have a disability. They might not. It doesn't matter. But they're there to champion the cause, really. And that includes a neurodiversity elements as well. We are in the process of changing the name from disability, as that does sort of tend to indicate people that are perhaps mobility challenged or that, that sort of have something that causes them sort of more mobile challenges, if you like. So we are looking at calling it differently abled or, or coming up with a slightly different term for those people. People, but their whole objective is around increasing awareness, going out to the different business units and saying, you know, it's OK to be different. It's absolutely fine. And we'll continue along that journey and continue with the promotion of that.
0: That is excellent. And I do agree with you there that a term like differently abled is one that is more welcoming than than disabled which can sort of put a barrier between what people are trying to do to help the people that are differently abled tracy coming back to you do you feel that having dyslexia it compounds social differences greatly so if you've got dyslexia and you're from a wealthy middle-class family going to a private school you're going to get more help than if you have dyslexia and you come from a working class background and go to state school.
1: I don't think it does because if you've got the will and the skill in order to want to help yourself for example or help the colleagues and your team that you work with there are avenues to go down which doesn't include your wealth at all obviously tony mentioned about the british dyslexia association and there's things like made by dyslexia who have a quiz for example so if you think that you may be and you've never been tested they do a free quiz that you can do which will be a first step which and lots of fact sheets so there's so much available out there. Helen Arkill is a dyslexia charity as well. So there's loads of sources. I don't think you have to be in a higher wealth with regards to what you could do for yourself or sources of support that's out there.
0: So let's talk a bit about you travelling through your career. Now, obviously, you had to spend a considerable amount of your own money to help you get through the first hurdle of the CMAP exams. But growing through your career, have you ever felt that it's actually held you back? Or um, do you have any examples of where actually the way that you think about a problem has actually been of a huge benefit in you solving a problem?
1: So thinking back to when I was really determined to get through these exams, because to be honest with you, anybody with dyslexia, if you give them a two-inch thick book and tell them to go into a room, study it, and then do a two-hour test or an exam, well, it gives anybody shudders actually, but somebody with dyslexia, it's, it's really not the best way of them learning. Everything is very kinesthetic, if you like, or visual or on the job and, and actually observing rather than sitting in a book in a room. I remember actually, I hired a financial trainer to come to my house and spend a week and we went through it and we went through the calculations, I mastered top slicing calculations and never used them in my entire life. So I had to go through that pain in order to get the qualification I needed. And I think that's the same in schools as well. That We focus a lot on one way of learning rather than looking at other ways that we can embrace these different ways of learning and helping and supporting people get further in their careers. So, you know, there are so many things out there that we can think about and how we adapt Another example that's just popped into my head, I was at an awards ceremony a couple of weeks ago, and I was very delighted to be presenting the Diversity and Inclusion Award at the end of the night, but I didn't know that I'd have to go behind a few moments before I had to go on stage. I was handed a gold envelope, and I had to go on stage and read out a paragraph and announce the winner, and I was just had a little bit of a moment and thinking, right, what does this paragraph say? Am I going to be able to pronounce the winner? Things like that, and it's kind of having the forward thinking to think about, is this person going to be? okay do they feel comfortable you know if i put any extra pressure on this person by asking them to do this job and you know through lockdown everybody was doing zoom calls and we often say put your questions or any comments in the notes section on the zoom screen but people with dyslexia may not be comfortable for doing that because they may be a little bit embarrassed about maybe getting a spelling right or not as punctuated as as maybe it could be so i've probably gone off it there barrett i apologize
0: no, no no i think that's fantastic and it, it brings it right up to date that everything that people find really simple you do need to think about it a bit more and certainly if there's anything that people need to read out at any of our awards I think we always ask people are you comfortable doing this before we just hand it over to them so obviously the awards you went to wasn't one of ours but Tony can I come to you and say there does seem to be the way we are going and, and, and the things like Zoom and Teams and etc etc they do make huge assumptions on the way people want to work and do work Do you think that as business leaders, people like you need to start thinking about here is Zoom, but how do we actually make it better to work for more people?
2: Yes, I do. Absolutely. And you use the word there, assume and we tend to make assumptions, don't we? As the person that handed the award over to Tracy or the envelope that night, you assume that everybody can do things in the same way. So I think there's a duty of care and responsibility with employers and business leaders to make sure that we don't make those assumptions. And we have to take all disabilities, all differently abled individuals into account and think about uh, sort of embracing that. But also, I think it's two way. I think it's the individuals that are participating. I want them to feel comfortable to say, hey, this way of operating doesn't quite work for me. And this is why. Because unless we enable people to feel comfortable and talk up about these things, we might come up with solutions that don't work for everyone. So I go back to my one size fits all. Maybe it's two or three or four sizes don't fit all. We need to hear from the individuals and learn from them in terms of how we can help them. Hence the disability champions that we've got across LSL now. We want to keep this awareness out there so people feel comfortable about turning around and saying, look, I've got a version of dyslexia, for example, what it means is this, and I find it easier if I can communicate in this particular way, then we can accommodate that. And this is a journey, as I said before, and it's a journey of learning. And unless we make the workplace and the environment and the industry an open one where people feel comfortable to talk, we won't work on this and sort of win together, will we? We need it to work both sides We can't make assumptions as leaders and we need to make it a comfortable environment for those individuals that do learn differently, that they walk differently or they hear differently or they see differently. We need to make it work for everybody and we need to make everybody feel far more comfortable and ensure that we include all types of people, all ways of learning, all types of mobility, gender, Ethnic origin, the lot, really.
0: And you're spot on there. We have been concentrating in the last few podcasts and during the next few months at Diff on these invisible differences that you may not be able to see. So, you know, you can tell if somebody's a woman, you can tell if they're of a different ethnic background, et cetera, et cetera. But sometimes there are differences that you can't see. As you've just said, be mindful of all of these things. Going back to you, Tracy, when you started telling people you know, HSBC, that you were dyslexic. Was that a huge weight off your mind? Did that sort of immediately make you feel better and being a better person at work because you were bring your true self at work?
1: Not really. Do you know what? When I spoke to my boss about it, not that long ago, and it's kind of, yeah, yeah, I I knew, I knew that, you know, we don't see it as any different. You are still Tracy Burton and you're absolutely brilliant at what you do. He did say that, honest. But I really embrace the strengths that I bring to the team. And there are many of them. You know, our world would be so boring if we were all the same and we all had the same skill set, we wouldn't move forward. So by having a team of people who are brilliant at what they do because of the skills they have, allow them to think differently, do things differently, share their successes with each other. That's how you can move a business forward by embracing these people with different, and I love Richard Branson, he calls it a superpower. So I'll roll with that all day long. And LinkedIn has actually adopted a skill within their skill set that you can actually tick a box and be recognised for. And it's, it's called dyslexic way of thinking. And that's now seen to be a strength for somebody when you actually view a profile and you can actually put forward. And I think being positive about it rather than hiding away from it and maybe being a little bit embarrassed about it, we should turn it on its head and just say, you know, these are the skills that I can bring to the table.
0: And a very, very dear friend of mine is dyslexic and had a terrible journey through school, but he, he's now chief executive of a very smart design company. And he got to where he was because he sees issues and problems and solutions in a completely completely different way. But he does tell this fantastic story. His father was a cook, so he was a, quite an accomplished cook. And the first time he cooked dinner for his now wife, he got a cookbook out because he thought he was going to try something new. And he looked at it and it took him a while, Tracy, to actually read through the recipe. He had to read through it a couple of times. And then he said to himself, well... I wouldn't have thought of putting marmalade on chicken, but I'll give it a go. It says marmalade the chicken. I'll marmalade the chicken. Proceeds to put marmalade on chicken. It tasted awful, but the story ended well because they married, so... There
1: are some funny... you you asked me, actually, when we were talking about this a while ago, you said, oh, is there anything that you can think of which would bring a smile to your face? And I couldn't think of anything. But this morning, my son messaged me and he said, oh, mum, he said, do you want to come over on Saturday in Bristol? There's a giraffe festival. And I thought, wow, I love giraffes. Yeah, of course I'll come over. And just before I pressed send. Um, I reread his message and it said it's actually a graffiti festival in Bristol. So, I, as soon as I looked at it, I kind of looked at this giraffe and I was, had this vision of giraffes doing graffiti in Bristol on Saturday.
0: That's fantastic. I mean, either of them would be pretty good, actually, Tracy. So, Tony, Primus are obviously right on this and doing some amazing stuff. Do you feel that our industry as a whole is on the same page as Primus are, or do you think? they're heading in the right direction and a lot more could be done.
2: The latter, Barrett, I think we're heading in the right direction and we can definitely do more. I'm really lucky, and thanks to people like you, you know, I sit on various industry groups and part of diff, and you mix with your industry counterparts. And, and I think that the majority, uh, certainly the ones that I speak to, other business leaders, Are Absolutely embracing this. Some are slightly ahead of the game and some have got a bit of a longer journey to go yet, but um, we're definitely making headway. I think it's just something, as I keep saying, that we have to talk about more, that we have to promote more. We need to make people with neurodiverse conditions to feel really comfortable, to not be embarrassed, to remove that stigma. So as we can grow together, it shouldn't make any difference, you know, what sort of challenges you face or, or whether you learn in a different way. We need to make sure that there's room for everybody and, and room for everybody to grow really equally. So I'd say thank you to you really in these podcasts for, for bringing this around and getting it out there for people like Tracy to talk about her experience and for people like me and others listening to learn from it.
0: And Tracy, before we sort of wrap up, because I think you've both been amazing and you've actually got so much over so succinctly. Is there any last bits of advice you'd actually give to either a young Tracy or somebody out there who is lacking in a bit of confidence, is a bit worried? What would you say to them to do?
1: I think today, as I mentioned earlier, there's a lot at our fingertips. I would definitely have the conversation with your employer because they'll absolutely embrace it. And it could be something that they're a little bit scared of as well because they don't know much about it. There are loads online that you can research and there's quizzes you can do. And so many things that Tony mentioned earlier, tools that can help you. So you don't have to struggle with things. There's a lot more available today than there was when I was a little girl, most certainly. And Barrett, I just wanted to share actually, because neurodiversity is a little bit of a buzzword that quite new that we're all picking up on and some people listening may not understand exactly what you know sits underneath the umbrella of neurodiversity and somebody sent me this which I'll read out to you it resonated with me and it may do for others so we've all heard of Winnie the Pooh right and all of the characters that come within the stories of Winnie the Pooh but they're all linked to different disorders that sit within neurodiversity so for example Pooh himself is impulsive, Piglet has anxiety, Roo has autism Tigger has ADHD Eeyore suffers with depression Rabbit is OCD Kanga is social anxiety And Owl is dyslexia So I think that when you think of all of those And when you've seen the films and the stories And the behaviours and characters All those different individuals Then it kind of helps you paint the picture Of actually what neurodiversity is
0: Brilliant. That's very good indeed. But I do think to wrap up, I agree with everything that both of you have said. But nowadays, it does seem that businesses are turning onto the actual competitive professional advantage of neurodiversity and dyslexia. Many specific skills, as you've said, not just LinkedIn, linked to the dyslexic brain means that global giants such as NASA, Google, IBM, Microsoft, Goldman Sachs, and Primus are actively recruiting neurodivergent talent, not as a box ticking exercise, but because they're desperate to utilize the heightened abilities in innovative thinking, reasoning, creativity, problem solving, persistence, hyper-focus and pattern recognition, just to name a few. And with 25% of CEOs across the globe, being dyslexic this is a positive benefit go out and find people like tracy burton although there is only one tracy burton but go and find people like tracy burton and give them a job and you and your life and your business will benefit from it so thank you tracy burton thank you tony smith and thank you for everyone for listening see you next time bye if you have enjoyed this episode and want diversity and inclusion to have as wide an audience as possible, make sure you share with your friends and colleagues and hit the subscribe button so you never miss an episode.